0: Hey guys, I said on this episode at the start, it's episode 65, it's not, it's 64. (laughs) Hi guys, welcome to a special episode 65 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or been murdered abroad. So this is a different kind of episode, so if you're not interested in me answering questions and things like that that people have sent through. Maybe skip this one, just giving you a shout out to do that early in case you go, I just wasted all my time hearing about you and I don't care. So that's that. So I thought I'd do a bonus episode because I get a lot of emails from people, which is really cool. They seem to come more thick and fast now, which is really nice. And it blows my mind when people say they're binging me talking. (laughs) Like, it's hard to explain how weird that is to me because I've never, I've always thought I've had a really kind of raucous voice, as my mother used to call it. And I always wanted to be a newsreader at one point when I was kind of studying journalism or a foreign correspondent. And I used to skip all the kind of classes where we'd have to speak because I was so nervous. So I think I missed kind of my chance because I was so self-conscious. So maybe this is my avenue. I don't know. But my last kind of... One of my things that we had to be, well, how do I explain it? One of my last kind of exams in uni, we had to kind of do a news report and be recorded and things like that. And I was having really bad anxiety at the time. I could barely leave my flat when I was going to uni, especially in my last year. And I just got halfway there and just didn't go. And I've always kind of thought about that because... I didn't have faith in myself as much as other people did. So maybe this podcast is a way of repenting for those things. I don't know. When I was growing up, my grandfather used to say he thought I'd be an actress because I was always kind of acting and dancing around and acting out scenes from movies at home. And I used to think it was really strange that people would say that because I had so little confidence in myself to the point where it became full-blown. Um, social anxiety, and a few years ago, probably about five years ago, when I got back from living overseas, I could barely leave my apartment. Um, it was so bad. And I'm saying all that because I get a lot of emails saying that people are so glad that I'm candid about myself and things that I've been through. I talked about a lot of it on the Asha Kremer episode, so I understand those things, and nothing that people can say to me or email through will surprise me. Nothing shocks me. I never judge anybody on things like that because. I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional household and I've seen kind of the worst of people in my life and people I've known. So feel free to email through whatever and I will listen because I've been to some, you know, professionals in my life years back, I'm fine now, where it was just better to talk to a friend than to them. And maybe that's just me and maybe that's, I always thought that I didn't want to go to someone who was being paid to listen to me. But sometimes you can't kind of put everything on your friends. So how did I get to that? (laughs) So I thought I'd do this episode um, because I get emails sent through with questions and things like that. I just saw one from October that I didn't reply to and I felt so bad. So if that woman is still listening, I replied to her. Her name's Kerry in Brisbane. Um, And I just missed it. Like I must have read it and then thought I'll respond to that in a bit and just didn't. But I'm pretty good at it. And I respond in Patreon as well to people who are patrons. And I get a lot of questions, the same kind of ones about the podcast and myself, things like that. So I thought I'd, I kind of highlighted the main questions I get. (laughs) And the first one is what is your name? Because because I'm not doing a podcast with someone else who's saying my name when they're speaking to me, it's rarely that I'll bring up my name. So my name is Felicity, which means happiness. It's It was the Latin goddess of happiness or something like that, which is what's so ironic when I've been through some of the worst times and most depressed times in my life. Um, you rarely hear that. I lived over in England and I met people who had never heard of it, which was strange to me. It kind of had a bit of a revival in 1999, I think, when that show Felicity in America came out, I used to watch it. And she was such a kind of naggy, horrible, just her character wasn't the best. So people used to bag me. And then when I was in high school, this ad came out for Pizza Hut on TV, where it was a piece of cheese, like mozzarella sitting at the top of a grater, which was like a slide. And something came up and pushed it down the slide. And this voice said, Felicity, don't go down the slide. And when I used to go to school, people would say, Felicity, don't go down the slide for a long time. So I hated my name for a long time, but I've come to terms with it. There are some good actresses out there. Felicity Huffman, who just did time in prison, and Felicity Jones in the UK. That's all I can think of. Felicity Kendall was... A really big actress in the 80s in the UK. She was voted Rear of the Year. So I was kind of named after someone who had something to give to society. Where do I live? I live in the paradise that is known as Melbourne, Australia. We are down the southeast kind of tip, and then at the bottom of us is the Bass Strait, and then there's Tasmania. So the only case I've done that's in Victoria, I think, is the Max Castor episode where he went down the Great Ocean Road, posted all these things home. He was a Swedish backpacker and then, you know, disappeared off the face of the earth, basically. And that is about four hours from where I am. So it's a small state. It's one of the smallest in Australia. I think it is the smallest next to Tassie, but it's quite beautiful I wouldn't know we haven't really been able to do anything the last year um yeah I've, I've never really felt at home in australia i always felt more at home in the uk where i lived for a while i even felt more at home um, in cambodia where i taught english for a while and ultimately i want to live in thailand and run an animal shelter um to rehome animals to expats and people who can look after them because there's so many street animals um animals are one of my passions I give money to elephants in Thailand, especially at the moment who are struggling. Um, they The sanctuaries are struggling to feed them because there's no tourists at the moment. It's really upsetting. Um, And if you're interested in following a couple, Kavan, who kind of made international news a couple of months ago, they got him out of a really horrible zoo in Pakistan and moved him to a beautiful sanctuary in Cambodia. I follow him. I follow one in Koh Samui, one in Phuket, and um, there's one in Chiang Mai called Elephant Nature Park, um, which is run by this amazing woman. So I'm really interested in animal rights, animal justice. Um they kind of mean the most to me in my life, even more than human beings. Um, and I've got two cats called Cinnamon and Yoko, and what's really lovely is that people who have sent me cards and things, um, because I've given people my address, um, Tony has sent me care packages. Um, Corinne just sent me you know a massive care package from Canada. I just got a beautiful Christmas card from Sweden from Susanna. Um they always write they always write to me cinnamon and yoko. Is that not the mark of a crazy cat lady spinster? who knows, but do I still have social media? Not at the moment, I don't. I know a couple of you have looked for it, but I think you're starting from the most the oldest episode, so you're not up to the part where I've kind of cut it off so. In a minute, I'll get into what I do, because that's a question that a lot of people ask. I don't still have social media, because part of my job is to manage other social media. And there's a point where it gets too much. There's too much noise. Um, I was sick of people's opinions being that is the answer, just because you're offended, you're right, things like that. And I cut it off about a month and a half ago. And other than handling my clients, I don't have my own that I'm updating, really. And it is awesome. And you guys should try it because social media has been so detrimental to people. And when you step back and kind of evaluate it, you realize. Um, So that brings me to my next question that I get a lot. What is my job? So about five years ago, I left a job that I was working at in the Melbourne, in the city of Melbourne. Um, It was a corporate job. First I was in customer service and then I got promoted to a web design department, um, copywriting, things like that. Um, And I've kind of talked about it on the previous episodes but it was kind of the last store for me. I'd worked in corporate kind of jobs pretty much since I was 18 all through uni over in England. And I just had it. I was sick of the toxic work environment. I'm sure most of you can relate to that. And I'm sure most of you can relate to having a break from it during the last year, as much as it's ruined a lot of people's lives, these these lockdowns and things. I know a couple of people who really don't want to go back to the office. And I tell them, well, if you've got a good idea, you don't have to. If you've got something to offer, you don't have to. I wish someone had told me that when I was literally on the train, just unable to even function, getting into work, the anxiety, the toxic kind of work environment, the noise of people. I've always been sensitive to stuff like that. So I was there for a couple of years after I got back from working and living in England on a working visa. And... One day I just said, I can't do this anymore. Luckily, I had a great female boss. I've usually had shitty female bosses and prefer working for men, but I had a wonderful female boss called Susie who said that I was better than working there and that I should work for myself. I'd studied journalism at uni and I was kind of selling myself short, but I quit that job with no setup at home, no savings, no nothing. I just needed to be out of there. and needed to remove myself from that situation. That's always been my thing when I have a panic attack or anything like that, the thing that diffuses it is to remove myself from that situation. <laughs> Unfortunately, I removed from myself from that situation with no money, no setup, no plan. Um, and actually, that is one of the things that forces you to figure it out. <laughs> so basically, she put me onto a freelance copywriting group that sources, outsources jobs to people. And I started working in quality assurance, even though I wanted to be a copywriter. Now, what's a copywriter? A copywriter is basically someone who writes text, i.e. copy for advertising, someone who knows words to sell products. And really the only show or movie I can think of telling you what a copywriter is to watch is Mad Men. It's funny, I used to watch that in uni and had no plan to be a copywriter at that point, but that's what I fell into. So you have to kind of have a knack for the internet, how things work now, online selling, social media. I do a lot of social media management and planning, how things sell to people, what are the kind of trigger things. It's funny because I studied kind of journalism and how to tell the, you know, telling the truth to the masses. Sadly, that's not the way journalism is today. But I ended up falling into something that was kind of against what I believed in, but now I don't care because it pays, you know, and everybody is a consumer these days. So that's the way. Luckily, I work for people, I believe in their products or their services. Um, So I ultimately had to force myself to set up this business. I ended up working for myself. That's kind of been the last five years, four years, I think, um, four or five years. Um, Registered myself as self-employed, Um, and yeah, I started collecting clients. I started by getting really tiny little shitty jobs that paid next to nothing. Um, and then bit by bit through those jobs, people would say you're good and refer me to other people. So ultimately now I have three, well, through COVID, it used to be like five and now it's like two and a half kind of, but it's enough to pay my way. One's a travel client. So pretty much when I'm telling you about places, I've probably written about them. I write travel guides, um, things like that for places I've been mostly, sometimes places I haven't been. One of them is a Spanish food client um, who contacted me out of the blue. I thought it was a spam email and I almost deleted it. I've been with them for... I think three years now. Um, and they're based in Spain, um, and they retail all across the world. And the other one that will probably come back when people start buying and selling houses again is I write for real estate. So, um, I write listings, you know, again, copywriting, selling to people. Um, and I think that's probably what I'm the best at, um, have a pretty good selling rate for real estate listings and I actually love writing about houses and for someone who didn't know basic things about houses and how to describe them, you kind of live and you learn. So yeah, that's what I do. Um, I work for myself so I don't really have a routine which can be bad at times but I think in the last year everybody has realized what it's like to work for yourself. Um, when I worked in different jobs, you had to, you know, I would think, how the fuck do I have to ask permission to go to the bathroom when I'm like a 20 something year old? Um, I don't have to do that anymore. And I can stay up late to catch up on things, whatever. Um, and my clients are awesome. It took a number of years working with really shitty people who didn't pay me enough to live on um, to realize my worth. So if you're interested in working for yourself, I would say the number one rule is to know your worth, know how much you're worth and don't lowball yourself. Um, as one of my clients, a guy who referred me to a company he worked for, he said, Don't lowball them because they've got tons of money. <laughs> so, always, yeah, know that. And if you're interested in how to set up your own website, I have my own website. Um, you know, I'm not that I get many inquiries through it because it's usually word of mouth, but yeah, so at the moment, that's where it's at. Um, now about podcasts, I usually, a lot of people have asked me to send them podcast lists of podcasts I would suggest to listen to. So in the last probably year or two, I've really got sick of a lot of podcasts I listen to. Um, I have really got over comedy, true crime podcasts. I don't get it. (laughs) Um, I used to, and now I wish I hadn't wasted all those hours listening to them. It's not funny. Um, these people, especially people, A lot of those podcasts don't talk to the family. So this person is just an abstract idea to them. But I have talked to families of these people who their lives have been fucking destroyed. And I think that makes all the difference. Um, So maybe, you know, yeah. So a few podcasts that I listen to in terms of true crime, I've really slimmed them down in the last year. I used to listen to tons, but I realized that a lot of it contributes to anxiety I have. So I've I really have a mix of podcasts I listen to, self-help, business ones, true crime, um, mystery, you know, commentary. So um, my number one that I think is probably the best Is True Crime Garage. Um, I've listened to them and Generation Y since the very beginning. I think Gen Y was the first one I listened to. I never knew what a podcast was until about four years ago. So I started listening to um, Justin and Aaron and then I started kind of branching out and I started listening to True Crime Garage. And um, Nick from True Crime Garage, I would say, is probably on par with what I try to be in terms of research and understanding stuff and you know taking it seriously as well. Um so those guys, Nick and the Captain, the Colonel and the Captain. Yeah, I love them. Um True Crime, sorry, Last Podcast on the Left. And since they've moved to Spotify, I often forget to listen to them, but those guys have got me through some really hard times. Those three guys telling those stories. Um I love them and I love podcasts that don't get political and start shoving stuff down your throat. They just stick to the story. Um true crime all the time, I, I still sometimes listen to. Um, I love Mark and Gibby. They're beautiful guys. Um, Jen, why? Um, I used to listen to Thinking Sideways before they ended the podcast. Um, but Joe from Thinking Sideways has his own podcast called The Shocking Details, um, Trace Evidence, he, Stephen, he does such amazing work and not enough people know about that podcast. He's kind of like me um, on his own. And I would also suggest um, a podcast called Unknown Passage as well. In terms of other podcasts, um, I listen to The Hodge Twins Um, I listen to Forgotten Australia, which is a great podcast about little things for Aussies that you wouldn't know, crime, little stories that happen in Australia. Um, I listen to a podcast called Hollywood Crime Scene, which is two girls who um, tell. I really like old Hollywood. I've always loved classic Hollywood and they tell a lot of stories about old Hollywood and, um, all the kind of salacious stuff about that. Um, I listen to Mind Over Murder. That's another one. Um, Mysteries Abound, which is a great one to go to sleep to. The Dollop. Um, I used to listen to them a lot more before it got really angsty and kind of moved away from what they were initially talking about. Um, I watched Joe Rogan more than listen to him. I prefer to see the guests. Um, true Murder, which is Dan Sapansky, and he, he speaks to true crime authors, which is an amazing, unique idea. Um, and one I was listening to because I always want the answers to come for this case is one called Your Own Backyard, which is about the disappearance of Kristen Smart. Um, and that's a really great one. And he's actually helped move a lot, like cause a lot of movement in that case, which is amazing. Um, there are a couple of other ones, but they are the main ones. You may be like, oh, you don't listen to that true crime podcast. If I didn't just say it, no, I don't. And it's probably for a reason as well. Um, so the next question is, how did you get the idea for unknown passage? Um, Oh, I kind of mentioned this on another episode, but then I deleted it because I just I mentioned another person on that and I just couldn't be bothered. Um, but I had a cousin who lived in the US and he died in the US when he was living over there, long story short. Um, and my family didn't really get the answers they were looking for. So I guess it was always in the back of my mind. But there was an Aussie girl who went missing in India. And when... I started looking up randomly cases of people who had disappeared overseas because I knew the main ones and how difficult it was for the families to get answers when you're dealing with different cultures and different ways that the government works and the justice system works. Um, And so I found this girl that I still haven't covered on the podcast and the reason I haven't is because she's kind of the reason that I started the podcast. She's been missing for probably 25 years um, in India, an Aussie girl. And when I stumbled across her picture, I was like, I'm going to start this podcast because there must be people out there whose families have been through the same things. And yes, (laughs) I currently have a spreadsheet, probably about 300 cases so far of people who have gone missing overseas um, or have been murdered overseas or have been locked up overseas. So I've kind of branched out into different ideas and different sectors that I've covered. And I hope that you've enjoyed it. So people say, where have you traveled to? Because I've I do a kind of travel podcast. Um, the first ever trip I took overseas was with my dad and my brother. It was kind of the trip from hell because I had to spend time with two men that I didn't really like. So we went to Indonesia, um, Singapore, and Hong Kong when I was about 14. I loved Indonesia, the island we were on. I loved um, Singapore. I, at the time, I hated Hong Kong. I don't know if it's a maturity thing. I love Bangkok now, so maybe I would like it now. But My parents had both always travelled and my mum had always talked like about the importance of travel. My dad had biked all over the UK for about three years. One day I want to interview him for the podcast because his stories are really crazy. Um, So pretty much when I started uni, the plan was to finish my degree and immediately go overseas. So my my promise to myself I kept and I saved for the year after I studied uni to go backpacking for two and a half months through Europe, which I did by myself. Um, I saved, I think about $12,000 to do it all. Um, and by the time I kind of got to the end, I was out of money, but I went all over Europe. I think I went to 15 countries or something. Um, I started in England, um, France, Switzerland, Italy, Austria, um, Hungary, Czech Republic, one of my favorite countries, um, Slovakia, and then back, and then up to Scotland, and then back. And then when I got back from that trip, it was a year to the day that I flew back from that trip that I was back on a plane going overseas. I, in that year, had gone to Cambodia, Vietnam, and Thailand, and I decided I fell in love with the, the city of Siem Reap in Cambodia, where Angkor Wat is, and I decided to go back for a while and teach English at a school that I had found. So I went back there for a few months, rented an apartment in Siem Reap. If it had happened now at my age, I would have stayed there. But the problem was I wanted to get my UK visa and use it because you can only get it up to the age of 29, I believe. So I got that and I went from CM Reap to Malaysia and then to Paris. Long story short, which I told in another podcast, I met my friend Lauren. We went traveling from Paris to Amsterdam, across to York, um, up to we went to Leeds, then we went to Edinburgh. And then she went home from there to Canada, long story short. And I had this visa that I was going to use next to no money. And I was scared shitless. And I ultimately stayed. I ultimately ended up in the South of England in Oxford, um, just outside of Oxford. And that's a whole other story about the two years that I spent there and probably all the lessons that I learned, I never would have learned if I hadn't gone there. Um, It was a massive learning curve. Ultimately, I ended up back in Melbourne after that. And here I stay. And ultimately, I wanted to end, I want to end up in Thailand. So um, I haven't been to the States and South America or Africa. Europe is a great love of mine. And so is Asia, um, especially Southeast Asia. It's incredibly important to me. Um, and I want to give the rest of my life when I ultimately move to Asia. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to speed it up. I want to be there in the next couple of years. Um, I want to Give my life's work to help other people, um, especially animals. There, because if you've ever been to Southeast Asia, I know it happens in parts of you know Turkey and um, Israel and things like that. There's just stray dogs and cats everywhere. It's really upsetting. And the first time I went to Bangkok, I just spent the whole time buying treats and you know giving them to animals on the street, and it was really upsetting. So I wanna I wanna make a change um, and kind of get them help because there's not many. And Kosamui is if you've ever been there, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And that's that's where I'm happy. That's where I'm peaceful. Um, and that's where I want to end up. And the way I feel when I'm in Melbourne or in a big city is the polar opposite to how I feel um, in Koh Samui. So that's ultimately where I want to end up. Luckily, I don't have many strings here or people I'm too sorry to say goodbye to. Um, so, yeah, I'm a pretty independent person. And if you guys are kind of worried about traveling by yourself or anything like that, you will meet people every step of the way. When I went to Cambodia, every morning I would have breakfast in this little cafe and these tourists would just come in and out and you would start chatting to them. And I met all of the people I knew there through that little cafe. Um, Just people with these incredible stories to tell and you'd pass on numbers and then you'd meet up at a different place later on. You will build your confidence from doing it by yourself. And trust me, I've traveled with other people before. I've got some crazy stories about that. And you are better off on your own, <laughs> believe me. Because if you've ever had a blow-up with someone that you've traveled with, you understand that you don't really know anyone until you've travelled with them and you're with them 24-7. So the next question is, who do I contact if I have a lead on a case that you've covered or if I know someone missing who I want you to cover? So you can contact me on unknownpassagepodcast at gmail dot com. It doesn't mean that I'll do it straight away the case, because I've pretty much like planned the next, however many um, if you 've got one that has no information i can 't cover it if it 's something from the 70s that has like one paragraph I just can 't do it but i 've been sent some amazing ones, and I have them you know in the works to do now if you know have a lead about something, please contact the authorities i 've had some really crazy <laughs> emails from people in the last year. I had an email from a woman who knew someone that she thinks was abducted into the Middle East and I was like, please contact the authorities. Um, Please don't forward information like that to me. Please contact the police or Interpol or whoever you need to contact. I'm not an expert in every country and how it works, but if you need support, if you know someone who's been missing in a certain place, I may have, you know, a contact via email who also has lost someone in that place. I've Kind of introduced a couple of people to each other um, who didn't know that each other had lost people in the same place, Um, and that's really important. But ultimately, because of the fact that there's no setup for finding someone who's gone missing overseas, my ultimate plan is I want to make a directory of people so you can contact different people and know who to contact. It's so hard finding information, even when I just do a case. And I'm trying to find the information to put on the episode page on the website just to who to contact. Sometimes it's near impossible just to find a phone number for who's still handling this case, especially if it's a bit older. So yeah. Um, Have you got any updates on Ryan Roth's location? (laughs) I don't want to give up too much information um, because I have a feeling he listens to this. So any email I get with... I get a lot of emails that I forward on to his uncle, people who knew him, people who've been scammed by him. The most recent one was two days ago. I get them constantly. Um, it's unbelievable how many people he has fucked over, but I'm not too kind of open with information about him because I always have that in the back of my mind that he is the person emailing me trying to get information. But yeah, there have been some because of COVID and things are locked down, it's a bit harder. Um, but at some point, I will have his uncle back on to go through some updates. There is a woman um, who is trying to get a documentary made about him. Um, there is some interest and in things like that. I do think ultimately. He will be found um, because people like that will always continue to scam other people. It's like a compulsion of theirs. Um, But yeah, you can continue to send me info, even if it's just you knew him. Anything could help. A lot of people who knew him in Bali or Thailand or things like that have contacted us. So email us through unknownpassagepodcast at gmail.com. His uncle is really handling most of it, Sean. Um, So I hope to have him on at some point. Um, Who are your favorite episodes that you've done? my, probably the ones where I spoke to people who are related. So Desiree, um, Desiree Gibbon and her mum, Andy, who I love, um, Ryan Roth because I know Sean and maybe Larry Lee because I've had dealings with his sister, um, I loved doing the Annie, sorry Annie Ashikian case way back. I think that was like episode 10 or something. Um, her case is so interesting to me and I still think it's so interesting. Um, she was the one, the Canadian, who went missing in Hong Kong. She had plans travelling around with her friends and then she just up and left them. It's all very strange. And I love doing the John Brisker case. He was the NBA player who went to Uganda and went missing because I got to talk about, you know, Uganda and Idi Amin and and a topic that interested me. And I also liked doing the Ryan Chambers case. He was the one who went missing. The Australian who walked out of the, um, ashram that he was staying in when he was backpacking with his mate in India and was never seen again. I hope that his family gets answers and his case really haunts me. And maybe Tiffan Varon, because I spoke to her sister, she was the French girl who, um, just a couple of episodes ago, I read out an email from Finton who had just walked in her steps. Um, she was the French girl on holidays in Japan who went missing and she's still missing. But because of COVID, these people who went missing in 2018, their families just haven't been able to get out there to search. It's horrible. Um, so yeah. One of the other questions is of all the people that you've covered, who do you think is still alive? Um, there's only three that I think are still alive out of the people I've covered. One is Anya Ashikian. One is maybe is Max Castor, the Swedish backpacker who went missing in My State Victoria on the Great Ocean Road. And I do think that Asha Kremer, the Aussie girl who was living in California, who had the mental breakdown, I do believe that she is still out there because there's some strange things that have gone on with her case. Um, people popping up pretending to be her online and then disappearing uh, that people do think is her. How do you reach out to families? This is a question from my dad because he the online world is, you know, anyone over 60 probably struggles. So he was like, how do you find these people to talk to? You know, Desi's mom and Sean, um, Facebook. <laughs> but Facebook Messenger, it usually goes to spam. So sometimes it takes a while to for them to find it. Um, Instagram, but usually it's Facebook. Um, or sometimes they have a website where you can email them. So if they've got a website, which is I always suggest if you lose someone overseas, set up a website immediately. Um, yeah what platform do you use? So a lot of people ask this because they want to set up their own podcasts. It's called Anchor. It's so easy. It's an app. I use it on my phone. I literally download it. You set up the episode, you hit record, you start recording. (laughs) It's so easy. You can edit the audio. You can trim the start and the end, you know, split segments, um, add photos so that people can see it in Spotify, things like that. It's so easy. Just download the app. You can also use the website, the desktop version, which is what I use when I'm, you know, on Zoom or something like that. Um, because you can record on Zoom and then upload it to the Anchor desktop. So it's all really easy. Um, what do you think is the secret to a good tro- crime podcast? Um, I, mine's not really successful or anything, um, compared to other people's. A lot of people find it, which is cool. I can only go off what I listen to. Um, so, so I would say nothing puts me off more than a true crime podcast that just tells any, any story. Um, not only people who laugh about things, um, and don't tell the whole story, do fuck all research that really angers me. Like as a journalism graduate. (laughs) Um, Do your research. (laughs) Cite your sources, please. God damn, I have said this on so many episodes. So many podcasters have been done for plagiarism. You would get kicked out of university if you plagiarize something. Cite your sources. And I've noticed a lot of them are doing it now because they're getting into shit. Use your sources um, like I do. But the main thing is find an angle that is unique to another podcast. That's why I created Unknown Passage, because nobody else was covering people who were from one place who went missing in another place. And a lot of people have emailed me. One person said, "I, your podcast is perfect for me. It's the podcast I wished somebody had made. And then I stumbled across it. The angle is what draws people in. So, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm trying to think like if. I don't know, just women who have gone missing in a certain place or just one case that you can drag out over 10 episodes or something. Um, I just listened to a really good podcast called Chameleon. It's the Hollywood Con Queen. And I listened to the whole, I think, eight episodes in one sitting. I was up until four in the morning because the angle of it was so fucking good. I it was unbelievable. It's this scam that someone was pulling where they would get people who were little known people in Hollywood, makeup artists, you know, um, people who earn very little working on movies and things to go out to the Philippines or areas like that, usually the Philippines to work on a movie. And it was this whole ploy, but when they'd get there, there'd be no movie and no person. And that is the whole premise of their scam. They don't get anything. They don't make any money, but it was so tantalising and fascinating, um, that I listened to the whole thing and ultimately they caught the guy in November. <laughs> so listen to that. It's, it's truly amazing and you'll be so sucked in. And that angle, you know, it fascinates people because that person, they don't make money from it. It's it, they, they don't get anything from it. It's like an inner satisfaction. And that is what kept people from listening to it. I only found it like a year after it came out, unfortunately, about a month ago. Um, What's it going to say? Can I suggest a case to you to work on? Yes, as I said, you can email it. It doesn't mean I'd do it straight away. I've got a couple where there's just no information. Um, and if you suggest a case, it doesn't like don't email and ask why I haven't done it after a couple of weeks. I've got like the next six months planned, and um, yeah, a lot of them will be 2 parters things like that. I was going to say earlier, where do you write if you've got a lead? So a couple of months ago. I have a YouTube channel, but I haven't been updating it because the Anchor app isn't letting me create the videos. It's like a glitch that they've got. But a couple of months ago, I got a comment on one of the videos of a case I've done. It was the case of Amy Fitzpatrick. She was the teenage girl who was Irish, who was living um, in... She was from Dublin, but she was living in Spain with her mum and her stepdad. Her stepdad ultimately, after she went missing in Spain, um, she was having issues at home, and a lot of people believe he did it because he ultimately, when they got back to Ireland, he actually killed her brother and got off like on a manslaughter charge. I believe I got a comment on the little preview that I put up on the youtube that 's all it is it 's not the whole episode it 's just a preview of the first part where I read kind of the synopsis of the case. And I got this comment, and like my blood froze when I saw it. (laughs) So I ultimately forwarded on to the Amy Fitzpatrick website that I think her dad handles. So I sent it to him, um, and he contacted the police and also tried to write to this person, but the person never wrote again. Um, And they wrote, Audrey did it, and then something like, you know, she buried her or something. I used to be her neighbor, and she told me. So Audrey was Amy's mum. And as much as this could be a hoax or something like that, it's also it's always important to kind of send this information on. So I think her dad ultimately sent it to the police in Malaga who are looking into it. That's in Spain. And they emailed me about a month ago saying, do I have any other information? And I said, no, obviously. So little things like that, as much as they could be a hoax from a sick fuck, clearly the person knows the case because they're naming people in it. I mean, who knows? And I think this person was on the money, <laughs> um, but I think it could be also someone who just like everyone else, has their suspicions. And the last question is, do you do collabs? So I've had a couple of people who have asked me to, and I know this is going to sound kind of, can be easily twisted, but I don't want to do them with people who have two episodes of a show. Like, you need to prove that you're going to stick with this, so I would want to do one with you. That you've got an angle, that it's not something that's a comedy podcast, that... Like, there's something to show to me that you're going to stick with it and it's important to you. So at the moment, no. People have asked me, who's your dream collaboration with? Um, probably the number one would be Nick from True Crime Garage because I really respect him in terms of the amount of work he puts into it and how serious he takes it. Mm-hmm. Dale from Crackhouse House Chronicles and me are s- at some point going to do a collaboration, not in the next couple of months, but that was another one, the Crackhouse House Chronicles, um, that I love. I love those kind of North Carolina accents. And me and Dale are friends online, so listen to them as well. Um, We have to find one that's kind of in the vicinity of where Dale is in North Carolina or an area that he knows to kind of work people in. The only reason I would have people on to collab would be if they could contribute something to the area that I'm talking about, if they were from an area that I was talking about. Um, I love Marcus from Last Podcast on the left and maybe Aaron from Generation Y. But at the moment, um, I'm just kind of happy doing it on my own. In terms of collaborations, it doesn't really count when I have Lorena on or something um, or Mark. That was just to mix things up because people may get sick of talking to me, <laughs> or talking me talking at them and just me. So, yeah, um, I think that's it. It is Saturday and it is early. It is only quarter past ten and I've already done this and done all of this stuff, cleaned up, gone down the shop, Um, yeah, so I hope that you're having a good year so far. I've realized this year, not many people have any positive vibes and I don't blame you. It's totally normal to feel really shit. If if someone tells you to kind of lighten up, tell them to fuck off. (laughs) Um, and you know, you can vent to me. So there's a website where you can look up you know, podcast episode pages. If you want to look at some video sources I put up or basic information, who to contact if you have information, some photos, the sources I've used for the episode, that's at unknownpassagepodcast.com. Become a patron. You There's a $1, $2, a $5 a month tier. That's really the only community I have at the moment online for this. So you can become a patron. I've had a couple um, come through this week that I will give a shout out to on the next proper episode. Thank you so much. It blew my mind that just two random ones came in. So that's awesome. Um, that kind of pays for the website and everything like that. Cause it's not really cheap. I think it's about $30 a month just for the Squarespace thing. And I, I the reason I have the website is because a couple of people who I've covered like China Rose Sims have no online presence at all. There's like one link. So if anybody stumbled across her or wanted to know more about her, or think that they found the husband that potentially killed her and then bailed. There's no information out there. So it's important for them to have a really wanky term, but digital footprint. So that's why. So you can join. um, When you become a patron, you get to choose the location for an upcoming episode. The next one I have coming up is a patron, Kiana, um, who's been a patron for a couple of months. So you have to wait for at least your first month to pass because I was having people join have me do a case they wanted, which it's not really a case, like try to choose a location and I'll choose a case because they've got a big spreadsheet. Um, and then they just drop off. So yeah, um, join the Patreon if you're like passionate about the thing and want to kind of discuss cases and things like that. And I think that's it. Um, it's really going to be rainy and stormy here in Melbourne today. It's summer and it was like, 13 degrees Celsius walking up the street this morning. It feels like, you know, winter. It's awesome. So yeah, I hope you guys are keeping well. If you've got any information on cases, case suggestions or feedback, um, good feedback, please. (laughs) Um, Email unknownpassagepodcast at gmail.com. And again, I don't have social media at the moment and you guys should try it because I feel like I can actually breathe not having this constant noise and it's not kind of, Getting shitty at people who talk to me, but it's just constant blah, 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 like you know, um, likes and messages and why haven't you run back to me and blah 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 blah. So yeah, um, yeah. So I hope that that answers some of your questions. I know that a lot of you have asked questions that I haven't really answered, so that's why I want to do this episode. What I do, who I am, um, my ideas about cases, things like that, case updates. I do these once in a while. So yeah, um, yeah, and I'll talk to you on the next episode, which is coming up in about three days. Okay. Bye.